Welcome to the Transform Sales Podcast, where forward-thinking business leaders come to share their experiences and ideas, learn from each other, and amplify their results together. Wow. Hey guys, what's up? Oh my God, Steve Burden, it's been a while. Amir, writer here for the Transform Sales Podcast, the Agent Spotlight Series, trying to spotlight the Point Co. because we have been partners with these guys for a quite long time. Steve, what's up, man? How are you? Wow, what, what a pleasure to be here. I want to give a shout out to Javier for the, the two-minute countdown graphic at the start. Man, have you ever tried watching that? It's like feels about 30 minutes when you watch it in real time. But yeah, shout out it to Javier slow, who produced it. It slows down time, basically. Uh, I love the blazer. First time I've seen you rocking a blazer. What are you talking about? Be- British. This is how we go about our daily business, uh, Amir. I mean, you I'm, can't I say stuff like that. Matter. You, you can't make a statement like you're British and you wear a blazer. That's, that's going to hurt someone's feelings out there. We're going to cut that out. All right. Um, <laughs> all right. All right. I'm just doing a stereotype. I appreciate in Colombia is a little bit hotter, right? So it's a little bit more challenging. Thank you. Looking good. You see, looking good. That's probably Kevin, Kevin from Lidium who's saying that because, uh, you know, he's usually stalking me on these channels. But shout out to Kevin if it was you. 100%. So now it's time for the question number one. Who are you? How did you get into the amazing outsource sales agency business? And tell us a little bit about the Point Co. Well, whether the outsourcing space is amazing is debatable, but how I got into it is um, my mate from school, Ian Brigden, who doesn't like to appear on podcasts, he set up a little, a little operation about 11 years ago. And prior to that, I was, I was a consultant globally setting up sales teams for tech companies all over the world. So when I decided to come back to the UK, we, we, we joined forces and miraculously became Europe's leading outsourced sales agency for for top of the funnel and SDR services, right? So it's been a crazy ride, but we've done something right because we've been going for 10 years. Uh, My role within the business is uh, to take the company forward in terms of strategy, new client acquisition, uh, keeping abreast of the best practices of doing this. And that's why I'm such a fan of the CloudTask marketplace because we can get all that information from the marketplace uh, as well as, you know, growing the headcount, training the headcount uh, and just and, and just helping us grow and, and, and move forward in, in, in a good way with a good reputation. So that's what we're all about, the point company. And you guys are based in the UK, right? If anybody listening. Well, I'm based in the UK. We've got an office in London, but as you know, we're global, right? So we service, we, we, we ideally service global uh, customers, Asia Park, LATAM, North America. And just before we go any further, I'm not going to say this, but who's got the highest LTV lifetime value in your agency? So far, it's the point call, I have to admit. But, you know, we, that's, you. that's uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to get some other people to start competing with you and take you down. Um, well, that's it. Bring it on. So you got in the industry because you were building sales teams for software companies, and then you realized that you're really good at it. So you talk to your mate. I'm going to use the word mate. Uh, yeah. Ian, who's your introverted counterpart, and you are the extroverted counterpart. And you guys decided that a team of an extrovert and an introvert that were both experts at generating qualified means for software companies was time to productize your skills into a business called the Point Co. Is that correct? Yeah, it's a bit like me and you in that essence. But um, yeah, don't bring I mean, me into this. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a bit like our relationship. Uh, no, so you know what? It's, it's a strange thing. So I, I started as an SDR when I was 17 years old and commission only with no training and I did it for a number of years and I always found it very challenging. I always felt that the stigmatism around sales was challenging. You know, my friends were 
aspiring to be different professions, which are probably more well-respected than salespeople. So I, I always had this in like, what am I actually doing? Like, am I helping people? Am I taking money from people? Am I persuading people to do things they don't want? But in, in, the, in the fullness of time, like, I, I started to understand that sales done correctly was, 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 was a service people needed and wanted to help them accelerate their own business because everyone has something to sell. Um, and then that, that, that transitioned into me training people and wanting to be that person I wanted to meet when I was 17 who never trained me. Like, so I thought if I can train people, train them the right way, give them the knowledge, they're going to accelerate faster, going to lead to happier clients, happier staff better business so that was the philosophy and I was very privileged to work in many different countries doing this and I learned from some very very good people globally so we brought that methodology back to the UK and as as you've just described my personality with with Ian's personality enabled us to, to grow we made a lot of mistakes early doors but I'll probably run over a thousand new business outbound campaigns for some of the top global technology companies so we're not we're not expert in any one tech, but I'd say we're now an expert in process by seeing how people do it and the things they do wrong and right. Oh, we're going to talk about that. We're going to try to get the top success story for that that, that number one client over there. Before I get into there, uh, and by the way, when you mentioned like sales, it, I, I, I mentioned like am I helping people or hurting people? It's a good point to bring up, right? Like if you're if you're if you're giving the person a, the right product or service and it helps them achieve something faster, cheaper, more efficient. It, it very well could feel like you're a doctor helping somebody achieve a positive goal. And then you could sell something to somebody that, you know, ends up not working out for them and cost them money. So it's, it's the word sales could be, it, it can mean two different things depending on what you're selling and who you're selling it to. Right. Yeah. I, I remember staring at a yellow pages, which is basically a book of leads when I was 17 years old and, and looking at this yellow pages with a phone and thinking, I don't want to call these people because I'm disturbing them. I'm bothering them. I'm asking them to, to give me time for something they don't want. And that was, you know, all going back to your childhood when, you know, people used to ring your house phone. Your mum was like, I don't, you know, it's a salesperson. And you got this stigmatism. And shout out to a guy called Dave Watson, uh, I, I know from Australia. He told me he worked for a recruiter. He was recruiting doctors. And he did this thing called the Dave Watson effect, which is he had in his head. I'm going to phone. I'm going to. I'm going to place these doctors because if I don't, someone's going to. Die. Someone could die. Someone's kid could be injured. Like I need to get these doctors in these hospitals now, right? So then I started thinking, you work with the right companies with the right tech, you're helping these people. You're not bothering the people. You're a, you're a, you're a trusted advisor. You're helping these people get in the right tech at the right time, um, yeah. and help them move their business forward. So they're, they're the sort of companies we like to partner with because it's an easy yeah. message. I feel the same way. I was going to go pre med because I wanted to help people to make money, and then I realized you could help people with sales. Uh, but very much like a doctor can prescribe the wrong medicine or have malpractice. It's not a perfect thing, right? You could even be a, yeah. a health doctor and make mistakes. But um, let's not go down that rabbit hole because it's a, a whole different rabbit hole. I want to get down to the the, the rabbit hole of uh, your best fit clients. Um, if you had, when it comes to B2B lead generation, who would you say your best fit clients are in, in the sense of like, are they software? Are they services? Are they companies in the, that are looking for a campaign to EMEA? And I know... That you guys are global and service everybody, but I wanna, I wanna make, I wanna ask the hard questions. And I wanna get you to pick. No, we 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 don't service. I wanna make this clear. We do not service everybody. We we are. I pride myself on saying no to the wrong customers and then and then putting them back to you, so you can you can send them out to the right agency because that's what we all should be doing. Because because you know from 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 my perspective, my best fit customer is not based around a persona. It's not based around a 
uh, a technology or industry, I've got some trends of people I've worked well with, and I'll explain that in a second. But based on my experience, my best fit customers are people who are going to get ROI out of, the, out of the campaign. And we can look at various things like, do you have a high ACV, like a high average contract value, yeah, which means yeah. your upfront investment is going to enable you to get pipeline. Does the sales leader understand their metrics? Like, did he understand what the revenue target is, how they broken that down into new business, the pipeline coverage they need? Like, do we have an aligned revenue leader who understands outbound? Um, what are the motivations for doing outbound? Is it is it you know, is, is it because an internal team's not worked or is it because they believe in initiatives? So my ideal buyers are people who really understand the top of the funnel, know their metrics. I've got a decent level of ACV that's going to enable them to have a um, a return on investment because we're looking for long-term relationships. So that that goes down to are are, are the people you deal with, are, are, the, are your customers um, looking for short-term wins or 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 or, or mid-term, long-term strategic decisions that, that lead to their goals. So they're my perfect customers. People who understand it's like a, a mid-term to long-term play and are going, in, going to invest not just in the service, but all the products of the service, whether it's the market validation, the dispositions off the data, the, 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 the pipeline, and then their um, existing sales methodologies are aligned to ours as well so you act as a true partner them i used to think it was cyber technology i, I, I like it by the way i, I want to slow this down because I I, I I i know that you bring too, so much excitement which is awesome but you actually answered the question right your best fit clients right off the bat average contract value fifty thousand or above hmm. true or false um, yeah, tr tr true. I, 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 ideally, I want to pay with people who are, you know, can sell stuff for a million. But I've had super success. If if the clients, if if the client comes to me and says, "I've got a thirty k ACV," but actually for the first three months we're looking for market validation because we don't know who our ICP yeah. is, we don't know them. That's a good customer as well because we're doing a different. So let, let me rephrase. Let me rephrase it, right? Because because I'm driving with you. So anybody yeah. listening, your best fit clients are, are a customer that has a higher ACV. It's not necessarily. Uh, an exact number, the higher it is, the clearer the ROI could be, right? Because it makes sense to me, I understand it, right? But at the same time, where that cutoff is, has a lot to do with, you know, the, the company's goals or positioning, which goes into the next thing, right? Where you also qualify the buyer as who they are, right? Like, yeah. are they a sales leader that is looking for a long-term relationship, understands outbound, and is willing to work with you to get revenue? Versus are they a sales leader trying to do a quick band-aid, um, trying to protect their job, right? So like, so like you're qualifying like, hey, is this guy coming last second because he's, you know, behind and am I in a position to try to save him? And if I don't save him, he's going to say that the, the lead generation company failed me, like they always say. So you're also qualifying uh, ACV, higher the better, right? Whether it's 50K, 35K, 25K, you make a decision based on what the actual person's looking for, you could tell. Like, is this guy, hey, Steve, I'm with you, understanding methodology, we, we're gonna go for 12 months, we're gonna make this work, or hey, Steve, if I don't see 15 meetings month one, you're gone, because I'm gone, right? So qualify the person, right? And Correct. then you also qualify where they're at in their sales process, meaning that like, if they have no product market fit, they have no messaging fit, and they're matching up with that, you're kind of like, all right, well, probably not gonna work. However, if they have, they're giving you opportunities that were lost, warm leads, they got a process, that could that could then make it qualify based of even if the guy wants a quick win because you know that he wants a quick win but he's got the the assets to set you up for a quick win right 
Um, yep. and then, and then that's, so it's, so it's interesting. All right. Cause, cause that makes sense to me. And, and, and transparently, um, you brought up like, you know, who has at the highest LTV in the marketplace you currently do. And, you know, I, I would now see that the buyers that you worked with had a higher ACV. They were VPs of sales that were willing to work with you and, and understood your methodology. And, and that's why you've kept them for over, for over 12 months. And some of these companies are startups, right? So that, that's, I, that's, you know, I, I work with big companies with you and small companies. So that makes a lot of sense. You're basically qualifying off of the ACV, the person who like what their real goals are, who they are, how they're going to treat you. Right. And then also where they're at in the sales process. 100%. And I just want to leave one part in shot on this. The key to all this is do not overpromise and underdeliver. right? You, you need to, if your customer understands upfront what success looks like to them, and you've got a reasonable shot of hitting that, perfect customer. If after your diagnosis, that person's expectations are unrealistic, or their ACV is too transactional to invest in getting ROI, I'm not going to take the person's money. Okay, because it's bad business for them, it's bad business for me. However, if they understand that they're not going to achieve a revenue goal, but their outcomes are different and we understand up front, we, we, we can have that conversation, right? So this is for all agencies. Stop over-promising and under-delivering with bad fit customers. All right. Work on your work on your ideal customers who you can get good results for. Awesome. So we're gonna roll into the next question, which is talking about the success story. I know there's one one customer out there, and we don't have to name names, right? That is just like a a, a clear win, right? And and I would like to know um, what you know what was the service offering that they hired you for, right? Was it prospecting, closing, or other services? My understanding is that it's, it's probably prospecting. Um, so I think that's what you guys focus on, right? Um, and then what do they primarily measure your success on? And who are they targeting as far as like industry? So maybe we could talk me through like a, almost like your, that, that case study that's in your brain that I want to pull yeah. out. I want to extract All right, it. So I'm not going to mention the logo, but like a, a massive player in, in, in the cybersecurity field, when they uh, came to EMEA, had very little um, market share. However, they had, um, they had some really, really aggressive sales goals and they partnered with us um, to out, you know, they basically outsourced their entire top of the funnel uh, SDR service. So it was we were prospecting, right? Prospecting, okay. yeah. So new business prospecting, all new business prospecting, new business outreach, SDR as a service. Uh, and that's that scaled up. Uh, they wanted a multiple return on their marketing dollar spend. Um, and it scaled up pretty fast. Uh, so so was there was there a primary success measure the number of qualified meetings you booked, the number of discovery meetings, or was it the 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 uh, revenue generated? What were they measuring you guys on? It was a uh, pipeline creation, so they wanted ten x for every dollar spent, and okay. uh, I believe I believe in that metric because if you've worked out your conversions, um, meetings are, are, are really a trivial number to a certain degree. So we were looking for ten x on every marketing dollar spent. They had a high ACV, uh, selling into cybersecurity personas, IT personas. Uh, was there a specific so, industry and like location? Like tell me, like was it English, yeah, English and, language? Well, well, yeah, and, and, and initially, but the, so initially it started off at the geo was UKI uh, and in English that, that quickly spread across the, it's all of EMEA. Uh, and then we ended up having a five-year relationship. The initial, the, the, the full team, we, we, the full team uh, rollout was in the first 12 months. We then worked 
solely with them over th for three years on that initiative uh, and then sporadically for a further two years. And so they were a cybersecurity company selling it to EMEA in the English language, right? Yeah. Um, what, and, and what was the company size? Like, like was it a publicly traded IPO? Like, what, what, what company size was it in like headcount and revenue? Okay, well, it was Palo Alto Startup? Networks, right? So it's Palo Alto oh. Networks. So public traded uh, company. Yeah. So initially, when they came to me um, and they partnered with the point company, they were they weren't the size they are now, right? So it's a huge success story and a huge yeah. logo we had because we we helped accelerate their growth massively in the EMEA region. But initially awesome. UKI, but then across all across multiple different languages. Um, and we hit all the key metrics around dollar, you know, dollar spent to pipeline generation, and we ended up generating millions of pounds in sales for that company over the first twelve months so, of the engagement. So, from a result standpoint, they were getting they were getting that ten x ROI or above on pipeline generated, and you generated right. millions of dollars of pipeline. And like you named the company, I know them no well. I, I invest I invest in stock in their stock. Yeah. They, they took a little ding. Hopefully, they get it back. Maybe they should hire you again, maybe. Um, and then. So basically, like the results I got before and after, it was more of after, right? Because they kind of came to you to break into EMEA, right? right. So you helped right. them land and expand in a new market. So there was no results before, but you helped them actually, you actually helped them land and expand a new market. And that company, Paul Alto Naturals, is a multi-billion dollar company four or five years later. Right. Yeah, I mean, look, there's, there's, awesome. I, I, I could name, I could name, you know, lots of companies. Who, no, no, we don't need to. I know. want to focus on this one. Yeah. <laughs> No, but what, what I mean is the theory of land and expand. US-based companies with, with a, proven, a proven product that they've got product market fit, that they come to a new geo, they need regional expertise to grow out that geo. The, the, oh, my God. The we are, we are landing. We are landing. I never heard Steve say this. So so we are getting now hyper-focused where if you're a US-based company with product market fit and you want to land in the EMEA and you want a 10x ROI and pipeline and you want a company that has helped a billion-dollar company grow – now we're getting a really good idea who your best fit clients are. How many months did it take for you to deliver that 10x ROI, if you don't mind me asking? I think the initial pipeline number was was over the first 12 months, but then obviously it took longer to close the the actual the, the Oh, that's the fine. Yeah. Your job was pipeline. So 12 months to get uh, 10x on the pipeline. I'm like, yeah. that's closing takes time, which is totally fine. Um did, how did you build their target list in the EMEA, if you don't mind me asking? Was it what, what? What is the type of process, people, and platforms that a buyer could expect if they hired you for something similar to this? Well, that the, how we do things has evolved since that that particular case study. Because let's talk about how you know, do it now. Because I, I, when you say when, when you say evolve, right? I I always think evolve for the better. Um, so yeah. let's let's talk about like today, right? Like how would you? Let's just say it's a U.S. based company. Want you know has talked probably for the US. They're like, hey, I want a, a, a partner in the EMEA that has experience landing, expanding, and and uh, a 10x ROI. And, and you're, you're talking to them. They're asking you, how would you build our target list? You know, what type of process, people, and platform or the buyer would expect if they hired you? How would you answer them? Well, over a series of of consultative interviews, we're going to understand um, you know who their ICP is and why. And then based on that, we're going to we usually break it down into personas, industries, key account lists using our data providers that we've got multiple global subscriptions to. Um, shout out to Cognizum, shout out to Slintel, shout out to Lucia, shout out to all the market leaders who, who there you we go. partner with. But um, we're going to build out those. We're going to build out those target lists, uh, and then we're also going to use some some intent providers. Uh, Shout out to demand, uh, uh, clarity and demand, demand base. And I, I want to pause you here. Anybody listening, Steve basically just shouted out 200k, 150k of data providers. 
that you access when you simply hire the agency to build pipeline. I think a lot of people forget that, right? Uh, you, you, the, people forget that, you know, as a sales agency organization, you've made the investment into like, you just named four companies, Slintel, Cognizant, and then you went into intent, Lucia, then you went to intent, right? And we, we partnered with a lot of those companies. They, they're listed in our marketplace as well. But it just I just want to point out that people forget that when they're hiring an outbound sales agency, they can also, the data itself sometimes is actually worth more than the service if you went out and bought it, right? So it's like, why go buy all those providers when you could just tap into it? Keep going. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I thought it was just, when I hear you saying that, I'm like, man, that's that's what... That's value, right? Um, sure, sure. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm working on the assumption as well that the client doesn't have an internal marketing team and they've they've not already spent money on, you know, building all this all the TAM out themselves. So we're going to work with them to build out the TAM. We're going to work with them to build out their messaging and, and why people uh, may or may not uh, purchase from them. So we'll build out a playbook. Uh, and then based on, based on that messaging, uh, we'll go to market with a, a very heavy phone led approach right so we, we go heavy phone led approach we've obviously we go omni-channel email social you you skipped WhatsApp. my question i was going to ask you i was literally about to ask you about um what about the sales sequences you use you just start answering it so so tell so, so the sales yeah. sequence so so phone phone heavy right which is actually it's a big deal people are avoiding phones phones are definitely not dead um, are in that sequence. Tell me about that. And I know the sequence always changes, but let's talk about the sequence for that client, Paula Altos. And I know that that was some time ago and some things have evolved, but like, what was that sequence like for that, that case study? Like, was it email, LinkedIn and call? This is how I feel about any form of prospecting. We must contact people on the channel they want to be contacted on. Some people pick up the phone. Some people don't. Some people respond to emails. Some people don't. Some people like to 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 uh, respond on social media. So why take anything away? But what we're going to do is we're going to go phone heavy, right? Because phone the phone's going to help you validate if a, if a person exists. Not as many people phone anymore, or they're not good at phoning. So you actually get through to people uh, if you've got good data providers or, or good partners who can give you. Um, or if you have all the data providers, yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, look, there's even there's even people we use out there who who will give us bespoke lists that will tell you if someone's more inclined to pick up the phone, email, or social media. Right? You 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 know these people as well. So it it depends on what the client wants to do or how big the time is. But we'll go phone 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 heavy approach. Uh, the cadences will change depending on the client, right? So we we, we will give them best practice suggestions around. A lot of the a lot of the email cadences we use are not marketing cadences. They are, hey, John tried to call you earlier. Is this the best number? Is this the best channel to, call, uh, to contact you on, or should I call you back tomorrow? It's to elicit mm -hmm. a response. So someone emails me back and says, hey, don't give me a call. What's it about? Things like that. Um, you know, that's 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 our approach because we, we. I think I think it's important to add that, like you know, that case study. I think the the call points were were IT leaders, right? It sounds like sure. it, and I think IT yeah, yeah. leaders typically don't answer emails and LinkedIn. So, so phone heavy approach is probably the most successful approach for that ICP. Um, it's also a very successful approach for uh, uh, high average contract values, right? Because it's worth the time to call. Um, however, it's also safe to say that, aside from that specific client, moving forward, new clients can expect that you guys have an omni-channel approach, right? You sure. do LinkedIn email and sure. calling. However. However, yeah. with that being said, yeah. you do have a specialization in calling, which is great to hear because that's kind of one of the hardest skills out there, right? So I think that we should highlight the fact that like 
one of the hardest skills out there is, is called avoidance, getting people to be dialing. And that's kind of your super strength. So I don't think we need to hide that, right? I think we should just all be honest, right? With, with ChatGPT and AI automation and all these agencies bringing up that can just automate email and persona-led messaging, people's inboxes are just going to get messy, right? It's it's, it's going to be... And, and what's phone-led approach... I know what you're about to say. Approach. You're going to say that the only thing left for SDRs to do is going to be phones, no. and I fucking agree no, no. with you. You know, it's not, it's not the only thing we've left to do, but I'll tell you right now, we're strong at it. So we get results, right? So that's where we're at. And then and it, when, 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 when people in my agency leave and go and work for internal companies, they all say, Steve, I, I'm, the, I'm the killer in here on the phone. Like no one, nobody phones anybody. Nobody yeah. phones anybody. They're surprised when I make like 50 dials. I'm make, make, getting people to make like 150 dials a day on, on, on large TAMs. Using I got Jalen right there. He's calling. Jalen's calling an orm. I can hear him. I'm doing like call coaching at the same time. We're back on the phones. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Question for you. Reporting. What can a, a customer expect from you when it comes to how you report your performance to the buyer? And, and maybe we could keep it like even with the Palo Alto example. Like, well, how do you guys report performance? You don't need to get well, super deep. Is it like an email? Uh, we just, we spreadsheet? Do, we do, we, no, no. We just use Salesforce portals. So the, we even give better. a client a login. We learned that from you. So I don't know why you're surprised, right? So they just log into an, uh, a portal, dashboard, and then it's just bespoke metrics depending That's on great. what success So, so buyers like. can expect a nice Salesforce dashboard with with the metrics that they're looking for. What success looks like to them, yeah. I mean, what's important right. to them? So, and but that's in real time as well. So, a lot of our clients do say this: like, how can we keep? You know, can we see what the agents are doing? Yeah, you can. We can just give you a real time poll, keep an eye on what your agents are doing. So that's that's how we that's how we manage our campaigns. Awesome. Makes sense. Talk to me about, we're, we're going to wrap this up soon. This has been awesome. But like, before I go, I want to know about mistakes buyers make when selecting an agency. What is the top mistake that you've seen buyers make when searching for an agency with the intention that they can maybe avoid that mistake and buy better? Yeah. I mean, look, don't just go for the person who's cheapest, right? That's number one. Like, where, at what point in your, most people, when they get to a certain, like, you're not going to go out and buy whatever is the cheapest. Like I'm just going to buy the cheapest everything. Right. And I think some people go with that philosophy. I know we've, we've in this, in this economy, people got tight budgets, but really start to understand it's, it's not about the upfront costs. It's about the chance of success. We should be trying to assess these uh, yeah. agencies on like, who's going to give us the best chance of success. Cause what is the cost of it failing as opposed to, nickel and diamond on a on a on a on a monthly fee so, right so, so that's let, let me stop you there because i got it no i want i just want number one you're gonna because i know you'll do number two what you're basically saying is don't buy from an emotion of a dollar amount spent buy based on your actual sales plan yeah yeah is that not I, I logical, like it. Is that not I, logical? Can stamp, I can stamp that with my approval right yeah. so anybody listening if you buy with a dollar sign you are probably going to have a bad experience versus understanding the fact that look if your sales cycle is six months admittedly and you tell an agency we have a salesman six six month sales cycle and then you want an roi in four months you're crazy and you're going to be unhappy with the results right so understand your actual funnel how long does it take for a cold lead to become aware of you guys to consider you guys to become sql right how long does it take them to convert and understand the real math of your funnel and sometimes just putting because yeah, I know the business, right? Your math of your funnel from people that are visiting your website and signing up to I want to buy now could be a whole different math than the funnel of people getting cold called, meaning that cold calling can lead to an instant sale if the timing's right, or it could take a little bit longer. 
So also understand a plan correctly. And also back to what you said, Steve, is have beatable expectations versus unrealistic expectations. And um, I agree with those things. And um, would, I feel like I just jumped in and stole the question from you. I'm sorry, but... Uh, it's not the, not, it's not <laughs> the first time you've done something like this to me, mate, but I'll let, I'll let you off, mate. I'll let you off. But like, um, yeah, yeah, agree with all your points. Some of the red flags I would look for would be don't go with an agency who promises you arbitrary numbers that don't relate to anything. Because I hear this all the time. This agency promised me 20 meetings a month. This agency promised me 15 Doesn't mean meetings shit. a month. Yeah. What's it based what's on? The size of, what size of the deal? What's conversion rate? It's, yeah. it's, 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 a, it's, a, like a, it's a weird metric, right? But, but, but do they know how big your TAM is? Do, do they know you, any of you? Do, do they know how big your do not call list is? Do they know what you're actually trying to achieve? Well, no, we never got into that yet. They've just told us to get us 20 meetings a month. So, I don't believe you can give people those numbers without really doing a deep dive into what they're trying to achieve and working together strategically. So be, be careful of that. Be careful of agency. Like understand when you speak to an agency that this agency might not be right for you, but actually no agency might be right for you. You might not be ready for an agency. So try and work with agencies or partners within agencies who tell you up front why it might not work and, and and try and look at your your, your unique business case and work out yeah. a plan to be successful as opposed to trying to sell you on the concepts. So use the buying journey as a learning journey versus a who's the who's the guy to who's the guy to win my business. Use it as an educational process. Understand not only who the right agency could be, but if you're actually right for an agency and be a little bit more fearful for people that promise you results and give you what you want to hear kind of hard in the, the new world we're doing, but sometimes the honest people could be a little bit, it could, it could not sound great to be like, hey, that approach might might not work for you. And you might sound like that answer could hurt your feelings, but it's definitely better to hurt your feelings than your pocket, right? <laughs> and and um, just, I think we have a tendency in this industry where people like to hear what they want to hear, right? And just take the time to learn, right? If that makes sense. Hey, look, we've, we've been on calls where we've spoken to to to, to partners and, and they've said, and, and we've gone, look, actually, I'm not the right agency. And you've got to match them with another agency and they've been super successful. Now, what could have happened is they could have come with me, cancelled after 90 days, not paid their invoice, and, 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 and it could have had implications on their business and their family. And I'm not comfortable with that. I want yeah. a customer for 12 months. So I, I, I'd be wary of that. And to your point, um, please go to agencies knowing your metrics, understanding what success looks like to you, what you're trying to get out of it, um, and trying to align with somebody who can help you get there, right? Uh, and and that's sort of my part in shot. Don't be talking to agencies and just with this 100 dollars a day, 50 meetings a month methodology or mentality, that means nothing. Like know your numbers, know your metrics, know your conversions, and find a partner who can help you get them. Steve, this has been awesome. Um, I'm going to kick you off because this is not going to be the last time we talk. But for anybody listening, all of the software providers we mentioned during this podcast will be listed below in the comments so that you can quickly access them if you want to learn more, along with uh, a nice link to the point code if you want to learn more. But Steve, if people want to just follow you and, and, and learn from you, what's the best place for them to connect with you? Yeah, just just hit me up on LinkedIn, uh, Steve Byrne at the point co. Um, you'll be able to find me. I'm usually pretty active on there. Uh, reach out to me if you've got any questions or queries about outsourced um, SDR as a service. If you've had bad experiences or good experiences, let me know. And if I can't help you, I know a marketplace with 500 companies who might be able to help you. So we'll go there. 100%. Everybody, thank you for tuning in to the Transform Sales Podcast, the Agent Spotlight Series with the one and only Steve Burden, CRO of Steve, appreciate you, man. Come dress accordingly next time, yeah? 
Uh, this is like a okay, fine. I got a blazer over there in my hangar. <laughs> I'll speak to you later, man.